All right, what's up, America? Jobs numbers soared this month by 266,000. That's the best jobs market, the best labor market I've seen in my lifetime. And boomers, I'm pretty sure it's the best you've seen in yours. Plus, Trump is requiring that you actually work in order to receive food stamps. That's crazy. You actually have to earn a living in order to feed your family? Nuts. And Joe Biden falling apart. How is that dotard still the front runner? It is besides me, and so we'll go to his latest meltdown. Plus, we'll give you exclusive podcast content that you can only access from the podcast or by subscribing to Blaze TV. We'll talk about the fact that uh, is Lady Liberty and that poem on her base causing more problems than it's solving. And then, of course, Nancy Pelosi's latest meltdown. We've got Dotar Joe Biden and Dotar Nancy Pelosi both falling apart at the seams and leashing out, lashing out at constituents and reporters. And then uh, the impeachment nonsense the impeachment scam, where was the diversity on the panel? That's a question that an actual member of Congress is asking. All coming up on today's Friday edition of the White House Brief podcast. I want to tell you about our sponsor, Black Rifle Coffee Club. Very excited to be working with them because this is just simply a great veteran-owned and operated company. For people, it's a really, really strict requirement. People who love America, all right? That's all you need in order to love Black Rifle Coffee. They import the highest quality beans from around the world. They roast to order. That means you order it, and then they roast it rather than it sitting on a shelf for months and months and months, and then you order it, and they're like, here you go. No, you order it, and then they roast it, which means you will always be getting the freshest coffee available. Black Rifle Coffee developed their explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving this great country. And all Black Rifle Coffee Company blends are available in whole bean and ground varieties, and they've got many roast available in single serve coffee rounds so i encourage you sign up for the black rifle coffee club where you can get discounted prices on your club orders free shipping but you got to use my discount code whb which will give you an extra 20 percent off your first order and throughout december throughout this month black rifle coffee is releasing the best product bundles in america there's something for everybody including their limited edition holiday roast so go to blackriflecoffee.com slash whb that is blackriflecoffee.com slash WHB, enter the discount code WHB, you get 20% off your first order on any products, including the Black Rifle Coffee Club, which you got to sign up for. All right, so the numbers that came out, jobs numbers, 266,000. All right, that's better than what they predicted, which is 187,000. That was what was expected by economists polled by the Dow Jones. All right, 266,000 jobs. Just to give you perspective, that's 79,000 extra jobs that they created, that they didn't think were gonna happen. They underestimated the jobs that were gonna be created this month by 79,000. So for some more perspective, all right, May 2012, that's the year after I graduated college. May 2012, Barack Hussein Obama was still in office. He created in that month 69,000 jobs for the whole month. And then for May and April of 2012, uh, only 20,000 jobs were created versus 266,000, that was 20,000 on net. 266,000 jobs. So uh, there's no doubt that the economy is absolutely crushing it, all right? You've got 266,000 new jobs, unemployment 
it ticked down. It was at 3.6%, ticked down to 3.5%. All right. Uh, the manufacturing jobs, jobs in motor vehicles and parts was up by 41,000 in November this month. Or, or, or at least last no, the, the, num, the month that we have the jobs numbers for 41,000 manufacturing jobs. So, you know, when Trump goes out there and says, I'm bringing back manufacturing jobs, I'm bringing jobs back to the economy. He actually means it. And the numbers show it. And you talk to economists from both sides of the aisle. There was an article in Forbes. You talk to the economists from both sides of the aisle. They do give Obama some credit towards the end. But they say Trump is undoubtedly owed credit for these jobs. I, I mean, it's just what, what you're going to tell me that the, the measly growth under Obama and then all of a sudden it skyrockets under Trump and Obama has the audacity to come and take credit for it. There are liberal economists. Um, the, um, there's the uh, Obama's old economic advisor. His name escapes me. Um, but he, he actually goes on Fox News and he and he uh, and he debates people and uh, Goolsby, Austin Goolsby. All right. People like him like to give Obama some credit, but even people who I would say are far left radicals, might I say, are giving Trump credit for this economy. The far left is saying, OK, well, we don't want to say Obama has no responsibility for this, but Trump, in fact, does needs to be owed some responsibility for this economy because it's undoubtedly the numbers don't lie. You know, we've got numbers. We've got Kramer on CNBC saying, I don't care if you love the guy. I don't care if you hate the guy. The numbers are numbers and you can't hide from the numbers. And he's touting the, the growth. You've got very low inflation. You've got no recession. There's been no recession under Trump. So when you simply boil it down to the numbers, there's no denying it. You don't like his tweeting, fine. You don't like his persona, fine. You don't like his hair, fine. But the jobs numbers are completely undeniable and they're gonna go up, right? You know, people are worrying about this trade war with China. Well, now that we have a strong jobs market, that will allow us to win the trade war with China because uh, we will have to win the trade war with China because we've got the better jobs numbers. And so therefore, jobs will have to come here to the United States. So uh, you should be very optimistic. When it comes to the economy, Trump is absolutely crushing it. Uh, and that's his thing. I mean, Trump is a businessman. You know, you've got all of this, uh, you know, impeachment nonsense out there. You know, he's on phone calls. You know, Trump says his phone call with the president of Ukraine. He says it was perfect. All right. Um, Perfect is, is a strong word. He says it was perfect. I think there was no quid pro quo, but he speaks in half sentences and, you know, he, he, he speaks in sort of a disjointed manner. So I, I wouldn't say perfect. All right. But rising to the level of impeachment, I, I think that's going a little far. And the fact that the Democrats are sitting up there, Jerry Nadler sitting up there saying, you know, in his head, he thinks he totally crushed it. In his head, he's thinking, oh, this is the best. We're not going to have to deal with this president being in office for much longer. Are you out of your mind? Are you totally unaware of the spectacle that you've created and the clown show that you've shown to the American people to the point where they're literally saying, uh, oh, wait, there, there actually is no corruptible offenses. There actually is no corruption. You guys don't actually have any charges against this president that you could impeach him on. And the fact that they, they, they don't notice that shows just how absolutely out of touch they are. 
it, it, it really baffles me that they think that this impeachment hearing is going to help them, is going to help them gain favor with the American electorate. Obviously, it's not. And there are poll numbers that show it. In fact, a majority of the American people, the, the numbers do show that, the, that a majority of the American people are in favor of impeachment. They just don't know what they want to impeach him on. And so they were relying on the Democrats to show them what they were going to impeach him on. And it turns out, oh, wait, we don't have anything. We thought it was going to be Russia. We thought it was going to be collusion with the Russians. That's that's what we're going to get him on. Oh, Donald Trump Jr. met in Trump Tower with some Russian honeypot. Didn't get any information. Well, that turned out to be a dud. Nothing burger after nothing burger after nothing burger after nothing burger. We've got nothing on him. So then they just decided to switch the countries. Oh, well, if he didn't collude with Russia, he colluded with the Ukrainians. But then you've got Vladimir Zolinsky saying, oh, no, there was no pressure on us. Whoa. So he's saying at the multiple witnesses who, if we, we detailed yesterday, every single witness that they brought in, these decorated military members, these career service members, these career government officials all said, well, either they don't recall or they know for sure that there was no pressure put on the Ukrainians to investigate the Bidens. So they actually have no evidence. And then you have nasty Pelosi who gets up there and says there is uh, uncontested evidence against this president. Really? It's uncontested? If anything, it's uncontested in the other direction. It's uncontested that he didn't commit any crimes. And it's just incredible that these people think they're going to get away with this impeachment scam with scant evidence. And then you had uh, Jonathan Turley. He was one of the witnesses. You know, they had the panel of the four. You had the panel of the four law professors. Jonathan Turley was the sole outlier. All right. And Jonathan Turley is a man of the left. Jonathan Turley is a guy who voted against Trump. Jonathan Turley is a guy who does not support Trump. Jonathan Turley is a guy who said, you guys don't have jack squat on this president. And for you to get up here and invoke the founders and to say, well, the founders would have wanted impeachment of Donald Trump as if somehow they can they have the founders as their muse is absolutely absurd. If you want to impeach the president, you actually have to have an impeachable offense and you guys don't have it. And then on the other hand, you had these partisan activists like this Pamela chick, Pamela, who says, oh, well, I had to cross the street. I couldn't bear to be on the same side of the street as Trump Hotel. You had her on the panel pretending to be masquerading as an objective witness, as an objective expert. Really? You couldn't be on the same side of the street as Trump Hotel and you proclaim to be objective? A woman who has given thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars to Barack Obama, to Elizabeth Warren, to Hillary Clinton. A woman who has appeared on a podcast called Versus Trump. A woman who couldn't help but mock the name of the president's son, Baron. She goes up there and she says, just because you name your son Baron, doesn't mean you can make him a baron. Oh, funny. That, I mean, that's really funny, lady. You're a funny girl. I couldn't help. I was laughing so hard I almost peed my pants. I mean, that was hilarious. Really, Pamela? But you're objective, right? And, you know, a lot of people on the right are freaking out over the fact that she would dare go after a minor. And yeah, there is that aspect. 
you know, I, I generally agree that minor should be off limits. But to me, the more important infraction on her part was the fact that she is coming onto this panel as someone who is supposed to offer her wisdom as an objective witness. And instead, she hates Trump so much that she can't help but disparage the name of his son and make wisecracks. That's what was so bad about that. Yes, it's bad to go after a minor, but what made it so reprehensible was the fact that she couldn't help but take little digs at the president because her hatred for him is so deep-seated. So, I don't know, and then you had Noah Feldman. Noah Feldman, who had the audacity to lie to the face of the members of Congress on that committee. Noah Feldman, I'm super happy we've got the, I'm completely, this was not a topic I planned to talk about at this time time in the podcast, so I'm glad we've got the, their faces. But Noah Feldman, we've got this guy, Harvard Law Professor, very distinguished. Well, he had the temerity to lie to people's faces, say, I was not in favor of impeaching the president until I heard that phone call just about a week ago. Meanwhile, there's evidence of him saying the president needs to be impeached because of what he tweeted. When the president tweeted that the Obama administration wired the Trump campaign, which turned out to be true, this guy, Noah Feldman, said it was an impeachable offense for Trump to tweet that. Last time I heard, we had a First Amendment. Last time I checked, we had a Bill of Rights. Last time I checked, you were allowed to tweet whatever you wanted if it fell in within the bounds of free speech. Wasn't a death threat. I mean, we know that's not true. We know that these leftists don't actually believe that. But the fact that this guy, this expert, this constitutional expert, thought that the president tweeting something was an impeachable offense tells you everything you need to know about this panel of experts. This guy thought that when Trump fired James Comey, he should have been impeached. And then he lied about it and said, I I didn't think this president should be impeached until I saw that phone call with the head of state, with the president of Ukraine. And that that was the final straw. These people are full of it. These people are partisan activists. These people want to get the president out of office. And meanwhile, this comes full circle. You've got two hundred and sixty six thousand extra people with jobs this month. You really think that those people who are working, who are able to provide for their families, actually care about this impeachment soap opera? You think that the average American whose uh, goal in life is to maybe make their life a little better for themselves and for their children and to provide for their families, you really think they're sitting up there and watching CNN and the eggheads on that channel analyze, oh, this is momentous. You watch CNN. The people on that channel are sitting there and saying, this is one of the most important events in our history. They're watching these impeachment hearings, and they're literally telling their, both of their viewers that this is the most important event in our lifetimes, the, the, this, this, uh, this impeachment hearing. Just comes to show you how out of touch these people are when in reality, when in actual America, jobs are growing, the numbers are going up, the unemployment numbers are going down, more people are able to provide for their families. I do wish that the wages were a little higher, but the fact is that more people are working and that should mean something. It's always meant something until Orange Man Bad got into office and now all of a sudden we have to impeach him because he he, he wasn't perfect on the phone call. As I said at the top, maybe not a perfect phone call, but what is perfection is now the standard of if you're not perfect, you get impeached. Really? That that's the standard perfection. Because I got to tell you, if perfection is the standard, all of the Democrats 
fall far away from that. I mean, if perfection is the standard, I mean, you've got nasty Pelosi. I mean, oh, is, is she the paragon of perfection? Really? Really, really, really? So if perfection is the standard, I think all of you guys fall short. Perfection. It wasn't a perfect phone call. Fine. Because he said, uh, you know, if you could invest, if you could look into Biden, fine. And then when Biden brings it up, or when it's brought up to Biden, excuse me, when it's brought up to Biden, he completely ignores it. Peter Ducey, Steve Ducey's son, a reporter at Fox News, asked Joe Biden, well, Joe Biden, if you are brought before the committee to testify in the next impeachment hearing, because believe it or not, we've got another impeachment hearing coming up next week. Peter Ducey asked Joe Biden, well, if they asked you to testify, would you? Joe Biden, in his days, because he didn't know where he is, he's like, well, no, I wouldn't show up. I wouldn't show up, you know, and he's wishing that children would rub down the hairs on his legs, those beautiful hairy legs of Joe Biden. He said in all his glory, no, I wouldn't show up because we can't take the eye off the ball. And he doesn't want the ball to be him. He wants the eyes to be on the ball that is Trump. And so Joe Biden said, no, I wouldn't show up. Well, wait, 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 wait. I thought the whole problem, I thought the whole uh, situation was that uh, Donald Trump is not complying with the subpoenas. Donald Trump is not involving his lawyers. Donald Trump's lawyers didn't even show up at the impeachment hearing. I thought that was the whole problem. I thought that was the whole point of contention. Joe Biden says, I'm not going to show up. Well, wait, wait, so you can impeach the president because that's that, you know, aside from the phone call, which they said there was a quid pro quo, even though you saw with your own eyes that there wasn't, even though all the witnesses said there wasn't, they're resting on the fact that there was a quid pro quo. You just you just couldn't detect it. There's that. And then there's the fact that Trump is obstructing some sort of justice by not complying with the subpoenas, by not having his lawyer show up at the uh, congressional hearings. Oh, really? So if Joe Biden is not going to do it, why is he not held to a standard? Uh, well, because he's not the president. Well, he's running to be president. So uh, this whole thing is totally disingenuous and it totally flies in the face of the well-being of the American people who are working, who are actually uh, being able to improve their lives because they have jobs, because they have income, because the economy is doing great. And these Democrats who are supposed to work for you are overlooking all of that and saying it doesn't matter because orange man bad because they don't like the guy. This is a partisan hit job. And I shudder to actually pay attention to it. You know, every time I have to talk about it, it hurts me because it, it is, it's literally manufactured news. It's literally not something that affects the everyday lives of the American people. And I said when I started this show that I was only going to talk about the stuff that affects you. Right. We're not going to talk about the um, the palace intrigue. Right. We're not going to talk about all of the crazy things that are apparently happening in the White House. But we just don't know about it because it's all from anonymous sourcing. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the stuff that affects you. And I'm going to tell you why this impeachment nonsense actually does affect you, because these people are not doing their jobs. All right. These people are neglecting their duties so that they can sit and squabble about impeachment. 
And so while they're supposed to be carrying out the duties, and you look at the Judicial Committee, you look at the members on that, they're from a wide variety of states, a wide variety of Republicans and Democrats on that committee who are forced, the Republicans in their case, they're forced because the Democrats brought these hearings together, they're forced to sit there for hours and hours and hours on end and discuss this sham of an impeachment process. So it affects you in the sense that your government officials, your elected officials are not doing their jobs because they have been duped by the Democrats who want to run this phony impeachment process. That's why it affects you, because the officials that you are paying to work for you, to represent you, are not able to do their jobs. We talk about this great economy. We've got a budget deadline coming up, I think, at the end of this month. You know, they, they recently passed a stopgap. They're spending through the roof. Luckily, the jobs numbers are soaring. So, you know, so, so people are happy. But what happens when the job numbers, which they will, just inevitably, you know, I'm not an economist, but, you know, I, I did take economics 101. And there's obviously recessions and periods of growth. And that's just natural. So when the jobs numbers start to go down and we're still spending through the roof, what's going to happen? So we need to get a cap on spending. Unfortunately, we have these spineless members of Congress, not all of them, not all of them, but we have these spineless members in, our, uh, in the halls of Congress who have no concern for the levels of spending. They're weak. And again, it's not everyone. But the majority of them have no desire to actually reduce the deficit, to have no desire to actually reduce spending. The deregulatory efforts uh, done by the Trump administration, the tax cuts, which luckily they passed, but that was, you know, now we're coming up on two years, um, had a great effect on the economy. They did, but that's not going to last forever. And we need, to, we need to reintroduce fiscal responsibility. I know it's an insane thing, but that's something conservatives used to actually believe in. We need to reintroduce that into the Republican Party. Otherwise, this is not going to last forever. Uh, th that's something that, uh, you know, shouldn't be controversial, shouldn't be controversial to say, oh, yeah, let's reduce spending. Uh, th that used to be a hallmark. That used to be a staple of fiscal conservatism. And, you know, you've got these people who have abandoned, who have completely abandoned social conservatism in favor of the free market. In favor of fiscal conservatism. All right. Well, so if the if if the um, if the fabric of our nation no longer matters to you, if the moral fiber of who we are as Americans no longer matters to you, and the only thing that matters is the economy and fiscal conservatism, then shouldn't you be worried about spending? Because it feels like we have all of these elected representatives and senators who completely have abandoned uh, uh, social conservatism. And they say, well, you know, we've evolved with the times and it's a generational thing. Well, wouldn't fiscal conservatism include reducing spending? So why aren't all you eggheads in Congress working on that? Why are you continuing to keep spending going through the roof? It's it's beyond me. It's beyond me. So. So there's that. There's the fact that the economy is growing and that's a good thing. Now let's work on maybe putting a lid on your insane spending. So one of the things that we spend money on are social benefits, welfare, and food stamps is a huge part of that. 
So Trump had the crazy idea that maybe we should make people who literally get free money to pay to, to, to buy their food, maybe we should make it so that they can actually, they have to work. All right, that's a, a nuts idea. And people are freaking out about it. The Trump administration, he's formalized work requirements for recipients of food stamps. And they say it's a move that will cause nearly 700,000 people to lose access to the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program. Nutri uh, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, you guys probably know that as SNAP. All right, so you gotta work to receive it. And we have a tweet from Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez who says, my family relied on food stamps when my dad died at 48. I was a student. If this happened then, we might have just starved. Now many people will. It's shameful how the GOP works overtime to create freebies for the rich while dissolving lifelines of those who need it most. Oh, let me get out the tiniest violin ever, AOC. Why? Because if you had read the frickin' article, if you had actually read the frickin' policy, you would see that it does not apply to people who are 48 years old and have families. No, it's only, it's only applying to people between the ages of 18 and 49 who are childless. And last time I checked, you would have been your dad's child, right? I hope so. It only applies to people between the ages of 18 and 49 who are childless and not disabled. So if your dad was childless and not disabled, yeah, then, then it would be taking away his lifeline. But if your dad had a child, which clearly he does, and able, and able then it doesn't apply to him. So I, I, I don't see the problem. I, I don't see the problem. She just didn't read the article. She's trying to drum up controversy. She's trying to drum up strife. She's trying to drum up division so that she can get her base riled up against uh, the, the administration who is apparently taking away food stamps, who is apparently depriving poor people of their sustenance, when in reality, it's simply saying, hey, if you can work and you're young enough to work and you're young enough to actually provide for your family, but you're not and I've provided you all these jobs that we just talked about, well, then you can't get the food stamps, okay? Uh, I mean, th th this leech economy, th these people who simply want to leech off of the wealthy and want to leech off the people who actually have to work for a living is what has defined the socialist left. And, it, and it's been that way for years. And now we're just seeing it get worse and worse and worse to the point where these people are actually uh, showing signals of moral indignation because of the fact that uh, these crazy people, these crazy Republicans think that you should actually have to earn your own living and earn your own wages and actually buy your own food. And you can't just get a free handout from the government to buy yourself a meal. Uh, that's that 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 is what is insane to me is that this is just accepted as mainstream. This is just accepted as something that ought to be given to people, and it's hurt uh, minorities in disproportionate numbers. I mean, that's not to say that white people don't take food stamps. That's not to say that white people aren't on welfare. But minority communities are hurt by this. And yet this is the party that is supposed to be the champion of minorities. This is supposed to be the party that that helps them lift themselves up out of poverty when, in fact, it is putting them down in poverty, when, in fact, it's hurting them. So I don't really want to hear it from AOC, who it appears wants to just keep people on food stamps. She just wants to keep people being dependent on the government in order to make a living.
She wants to keep single moms who are also disproportionately um, on on, uh, handouts from the government and social programs. She wants to keep them on those programs. And that's been the Democrat Party's MO since day one. Keep these people dependent on government for their needs. And make it so that they don't have to rely on themselves. They don't have to rely on their communities to actually provide for themselves. Instead, they have to rely on government. I mean, it's the oldest trick in the book. They've been doing it literally since they enslaved Democrats. They enslaved them in chains. Now they're enslaving them through social programs. It's really the same mentality. And they've gone from physical to psychological slavery. That's been the Democrat Party is the party of slavery. The Democrat Party forces people to be dependent on them in order to live. And the minute people realize, oh, I don't have to be dependent on the Democrat Party. I can actually provide for myself. I can actually get a job for myself and provide for my family by myself. I can actually feed my family by getting a job and earning an income and paying taxes and making money. I can do that all myself. The minute that the Democrat Party realizes that people are aware of that fact, they start to disparage them. They start to say, well, you're a coon. They start to say, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not smart. You're a token. You're a prop. Donald Trump is just using you. The Republican Party doesn't see you as a real person. Really, I'm pretty sure your party has been the party that has been demeaning from the days of slavery to the days of Jim Crow to the days of segregation. Pretty sure your party has been the one that has been demeaning blacks and minorities since the beginning of our history. And then they want to tell you the Republicans are the ones who don't actually care about you. It, it really, it, 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 it absolutely is shameful. It's shameful. All right. And speaking of Democrats, we've got Mr. Joe Biden, who I can't believe that this guy is the front runner. Joe Biden. Every time you see this guy, he's in a daze. He has no idea where he is. He's confused as to what day it is. He's confused as to what state he's in. He's confused as to whether his eyes going to bleed or not onto the stage. And yet Reuters Ipsos has him at 19% favorability. This is the front runner. I mean, I can't even imagine what would happen if this guy got on stage with Donald Trump and actually had to go head to head with Trump, who is cogent and who is there and who is mentally capable versus this guy who can't string a sentence together. You've all seen the video of him at the pool where he's talking about the little children who then, you know, reminds him of cockroaches rubbing down his blonde hair. I got hairy legs. I got hairy legs and the kids at the pool. They see my hairy legs and they, they push the hair down. Wait, 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 wait for it. I, it turns, uh, turns, uh, turns, uh, uh, it, um, 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 blonde. They put it, and I love roaches. I love roaches. Love kids sitting on my lap. What? Where are you? Where's your brain? This guy, I almost feel bad. Like every time he talks, I feel bad. But we've got an exchange of him and a voter in Iowa who he just goes nuts on and his attack on this guy who was asking him about his presidency and or about his uh, his candidacy. This guy, Joe Biden, goes nuts on and his attack on him makes absolutely no sense. So let's watch that. I got a question I want you to answer. We all know Trump. Uh, has been messing around in Ukraine over there, holding their foreign aid for 
them to come up saying that we're an investigation. We don't want more than that. He's a real backlog. But you, on the other hand, send your son over there to get a job and work for a gas company that All right. had no experience. Stop it right there. So. He's saying, and I'm having a hard time hearing this clip in my ear, but Joe Biden calls this guy a damn liar. You're trying to get this guy to vote for you, and you're literally calling him a damn liar in front of the crowd? And the fact of the matter is, this guy's not lying. This guy says, you sent your son over there to get a job. He's talking about Burisma. Work a gas company. He had no experience. True. Fact check true. To work a gas at a gas company. He had no experience. Oh, that's a damn lie. Where is Hunter Biden's experience in the energy sector? It doesn't exist. And you're selling access to the president just like he is. Well, last time I checked, when this happened, Joe Biden was vice president. Barack Obama was president. His son, Hunter Biden, had no experience in the energy sector, and yet his son, Hunter Biden, was paid $83,000 a month, at most 50 to 83,000, that's the figure they're citing, a month to work at a company in an industry in which he had no experience. So uh, actually, fact check true, all right? Joe Biden saying that's a damn lie. No, I'm pretty sure those are just the facts. And then Joe Biden threatened to Ukraine to fire. To, if, if Ukraine does not fire the prosecutor, Joe Biden is not going to give them the money. So the Democrats are obsessed with this quid pro quo nonsense. Because Trump said, uh, if you look into if you look into Biden, meanwhile, and we've talked about this time and time again, I don't have to say it again. Joe Biden is literally on tape offering a quid pro quo to Ukraine. But no, you're a damn liar. All right. Let's continue the video. In order to get access to the president, you're you're selling access to the president just like he does. So you're a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has ever said that. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary. I don't like it up and, and, and no, let, 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on, let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's do push-ups? What normal person says, oh, you, yeah, listen, you voter. Oh, you want to check my shape? Well, let's do push-ups. Let's do, let's get on the floor. Let's do push-ups. What? Is this guy insane? And he's not saying it with like a smirk on his face. He's not saying it like, you know, I'm being funny. No, he's actually mad at this guy. Joe Biden, there's no indication that Joe Biden here actually is, is trying to be funny or smug or cute or whatever. No. It would appear that Joe Biden is completely serious. Let's do push-ups, man. Yeah, you want to, you're a damn liar. Well, let's, you want to check my shape? Let's do push-ups. Let's run. We can do whatever you want. Wait, he's, they're going to get on the floor in, in this club of geriatrics and do push-ups in front of everybody to see who, uh, what, what would Joe Biden be trying to prove? Th this guy isn't running for president.
This guy is simply asking about something that he later goes on to say, we'll show it, has been reported even by MSNBC because the facts, as Nancy Pelosi would say, are uncontested. And that is that Hunter Biden had no experience in the energy sector and and Hunter Biden went to work at Burisma and was paid up to $83,000 a month for it. You want to bring that up? Let's do push-ups. This guy's bat crap insane. And yet this guy is, we're told, the front runner. Let's continue the video. No one has said my son has done anything wrong, and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not once. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Didn't know what you said. I get your word straight, Jack. All right, we have Ukrainian officials on tape saying that that Hunter Biden's connection to his father, Joe Biden, absolutely played a role in his getting the job at Burisma. So Biden saying, you said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Get your word straight, Jack. He did get his words straight, and that's absolutely what happened. So there is a damn liar in the scenario, and that damn liar would be a man named Joe Biden. But it's incredible that the Democrats offer no check on this. You know, the Democrats who want to portray Donald Trump as this crazy liar, this this clip isn't bothersome to them. And in fact, you've got people, Simone, something Simone, she's the, um, she kind of has the same hair as me and she's on uh, CNN, I think, but she's a chick. And she went and said, you know, Joe Biden, there was nothing wrong with this clip. And we'll play the rest to show where she actually uh, injected her opinion about what Joe Biden said about this guy. But let's continue the clip to watch. You did not hear that at all. What you heard? Look, okay, I'm not going to get in an argument with you, man. Well, yeah, you do, but uh, look, fat. Look, here's the deal. Stop. All right, what did you guys hear there? Because I, I heard look fat. That's what I heard. Look fat. Here's the deal. And so Simone Sanders, who I just mentioned, Simone Sanders says, "Oh no, he didn't call him fat. He didn't say look fat." Who are you going to believe, your lying two ears or what I tell you? He said, look fat, and she insists he said, look facts. Yeah, you look facts. That's what you do. You look facts. You look facts and tell me what you heard. Well, the facts are that Joe Biden said, look fat. And then he literally went on to say this. So, you know, of course, this guy says, oh, well, you're sitting here. You called me fat. You challenged me to do (laughs) push-ups. You attacked my character. And then you have the audacity to say, uh, you know, um, this guy went and said, well, you know, clearly you did all that. You had the audacity to, to unleash that attack on me simply for raising facts. You don't have any backbone. And Joe Biden, after the clip, we don't have it, but after that, Joe Biden goes, well, you're too old to vote for me. What? You're too old to vote. Joe Biden, you're geriatric. And the whole room is geriatric. And the whole room can't believe that this is happening. The whole room is in shock that Joe Biden is being challenged by anybody. 
And it just is beyond me how this guy is the front runner. The guy who is literally can't string a coherent sentence together, is unable to determine what room he's in, is unable to determine what state he's in, is unable to take an attack about his son, isn't willing to go before Congress to talk about his son's um, misdeeds in Ukraine and thinks he's going to be president. I guarantee you, if this guy is the front runner, I've said, I've long said, I doubt it. I doubt that's going to happen. I doubt that's even possible. Where is America? How does America watch a clip like that? How does America watch a clip of the guy who says, well, if you agree with me, go to uh, Joe 30330 if you like me. How does America watch that and say, this guy is who I want leading my country? I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a fact. I think what we will see is Joe Biden You know, all the people, they get called, who are you going to vote for? They tell the pollsters, I'll vote for Joe Biden. They get off the phone with the pollsters. No, I'm going to vote for Trump. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to check the box next to Trump. All right. At least Trump knows where he is. At least Trump knows how to speak English. At least Trump isn't a bumbling and fumbling dotard. And incredibly, there are people who hate Trump so much that they are willing to put someone who is senile, ostensibly, someone who has the potential to quickly deteriorate, deteriorate mentally in the Oval Office. They're willing to put him in the Oval Office and endanger our country and endanger our national security and endanger our economy and everything else about our country because they hate the president so much. And one of those people is Meghan McCain, who all but offered an endorsement of Joe Biden on the spew, excuse me, The View. I still believe he's one of the few candidates that can actually beat Trump. And if you want to gamble on purity over a candidate that can actually win, it's your funeral that I will not be a part of. Yeah. He's the only one who can beat Trump. Really? You think that that guy can beat Trump? You guys have lost your minds. You know, I know there's a few polls. They're actually old, though, now. A few polls that put them up head to head and they have Biden winning. Really, we're going to make the same exact mistakes we made in 16? We're going to make the exact same errors we did when we said, well, Hillary Clinton's winning in the polls. Clearly, she's going to defeat Donald Trump, even though anyone with common sense, when they saw the stadiums that Trump was filling versus the stadiums that Hillary was filling with a handful of people. Anyone with an ounce of common sense could see the lawn signs. Anyone with an ounce of common sense could see the energy, could see the excitement that Trump was building among the electorate versus Hillary Clinton, who was generating basically people saying, oh, well, you know, if I have to, I'll vote for her. But they sat home. They did not vote for Hillary Clinton. They voted Donald Trump into office. So you have these polls that are showing Joe Biden going up against Trump and winning. All right, those polls are the same ones that showed Hillary Clinton winning. You're going to trust those polls. You're going to make these same exact mistakes. You already have the journalists making those same mistakes. You already have them saying, "Okay, well, you know, the polls say it. They must be right. No, I think I think the polls have proven themselves to be completely inaccurate. And evidence of that is I, I continue to say this. I now have met one person and I actually haven't even met them. It was an interview over over a Skype. I've met one person who says, yeah, I've gotten a call from a pollster. All right. One one person. So, you know, because these pollsters, they're calling landlines. They're calling people on landlines and they're saying, well, who are you going to vote for? And this and the person says, OK, and they offer an answer. And often these polls are very deceiving in the way they phrase their questions. 
And the fact of the matter is, I don't know what it is, but a lot of people uh, just don't want to admit that they're going to vote for Donald Trump. A lot of people are not um, willing to tell someone, you know, who's very professional and this is a, you know, an important phone call and this is a, a reputable institution. I'm not going to admit that I'm voting for this hilarious, amazing president. They just don't want to admit it. So, um, so I, you know, I, I, I honestly, and I'm not in the market of predicting things, um, even though I did predict the 2016 election. I was afraid to go on the record with predicting it, but I'm like, Donald Trump has this thing in the bag. Uh, and I turned out to be right. And all of the so-called experts turned out to be wrong. Uh, so I think all of the so-called experts are going to be wrong again. All right. I think Donald Trump, honestly, especially after this impeachment hearing, has it in the bag for 2016. I honestly, truly believe that. And, and not because I'm a Trump shill, not because I you know, am a partisan, not because any of that, simply because when you have these out of touch Democrats who are sitting up there saying, we're going to impeach him. We don't know what we're going to impeach him on, but we're just going to impeach him. They don't realize how much that helps Donald Trump. And as we talked about at the start of the show, the economics don't lie. The numbers don't lie. The fact that Trump is continuing to show common sense policies to the American people that improve their lives is going to work huge from him. We've got issues we've got to worry about, all right? The border is going to be huge. I, 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 I don't know if you guys saw that video, the, the video of the uh, illegal immigrants uh, scaling the wall and hopping over because for whatever reason they decided uh, we're going to do um, bollards. We're gonna do steel bollards. Look at Israel's wall, it's flat. You can't just shimmy down the, the pole. So I don't know, maybe add some spikes, maybe add something to the top, you know, Trump denied saying, well, we need alligators in a moat. He denied saying that, but is that really the craziest idea? Whatever we need to do to protect our borders. And I think that needs to be the issue that Trump hammers down. Yes, we've got the economy down pat. All right. We've got that done. We've got jobs. We've got people happy. We've got people feeding their families. All right. But if the American people are going to be displaced by illegal immigrants, and by people that they are importing from the third world, then none of that's gonna matter because we're not gonna have a country and we're not gonna be able to even elect Republicans in the future. So that was his issue for 2016 and that's the issue that he ran on. We haven't seen as much progress as we'd like to see for that and I think if we want Trump to succeed, which I think Trump succeeding means the American people succeeding, that's gonna mean that that needs to be first and foremost, and that needs to be the most important issue that we hammer down. Because if we lose the country, which means if we lose our borders, we are not going to survive. And we are going to be uh, completely dependent on these crazy people, on the, these, these nut jobs who you see in the impeachment hearings, who you saw in the Intel Committee, who you saw in the Judiciary Committee. We're going to be completely dependent on their insane ideas, and that's not going to work out for you. That's not going to work out for your family. And that's not going to work out for the country. All right, folks, that's the show for today. Thank you to everyone in the super chat for participating. Quickly, though, I'm going to read a few of your comments because you guys are the ones who actually make the show possible. You guys are the ones who watch. You guys are the ones who support us. And you guys are the ones who actually continue to come back for whatever reason. I don't know why you do, but I'm happy you do time and time again. Uh, and so I want to thank you guys. Uh, and I want to read some of your comments. James Summer says, everyone change the Democrat Party color to brown the color of poop on their sidewalks. Vote brown and get poop and disease. I think you just came up with their slogan. James, I think you should go into political consulting. 
I mean, Democrat Party color of brown for the color of poop on their sidewalks. Vote brown and get poop and disease. I mean, that should be Joe Biden's. And you know what? His slogan is, is probably worse than that. What is it? No malarkey? No malarkey. I think vote brown the color of poop, poop on the sidewalks, vote brown, poop and get disease. Um, that's what needs to be on the side of Joe Biden's bus, right? It's better than the slogan he has. I am Newman. Hear me roar, says nasty Pelosi is the super Catholic, except when it comes to abortion. She is about the super Catholic, except when it comes to about anything. I mean, when you see Nancy Pelosi, when you see her and her lack of morality and her willingness to completely abandon the American people, the people that she was elected to represent, when you see her abandon the state that she was elected to represent and let her state go to crap, you want to talk about poop, you want to talk about the poop on the streets, that's Nancy Pelosi's district. And she doesn't, she pays no attention to it. She returns to her gated home behind a huge wall and literally completely just turns a blind eye to her constituency in order to get this president impeached and in order to pass things like DACA, in order to give an eight hour long speech on the House floor in favor of DACA. That's Nancy Pelosi. And then she uh, comes out in favor of abortion. She's Catholic. The Catholic Church, except for this nut job of a pope, sorry Catholics, but except for this person that, uh, that has completely gone against Catholic teachings, for centuries, all of a sudden, Nancy Pelosi is going to uh, join him and completely bucking everything that Catholics believe and then calling herself a Catholic. All right. Catholic in name only. All right. But when she says she prays for the president, we'll get into that in the next segment, though. But really, I mean, I believe that uh, that when Nancy Pelosi calls herself a Catholic, really, it's just to appease uh, the voters that she thinks she has that are Christians. But really, there's nothing Christian about this woman. And she's a fraud. All right. Uh, Lewis John says healthy bodies going after food stamps is equal to begging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember I remember I was in, uh, you know, D.C. We've got these uh, we've got these food trucks. Right. And so uh, because even though we're this sophisticated city, people love getting food out of trucks. So um, there was this truck from Virginia and it was, you know, southern food, soul food truck, actually. And this homeless guy comes up. And literally asks this woman who's running the truck and cooking the food in the truck, can I have your food for free? I'm a bum and I'm starving and I want the food from you. And she literally all but whooped that boy and said, you are an able-bodied young man. Why the hell don't you have a job? Why aren't you working? You have the nerve. I'm sitting up here in this hot truck. It was July, which means it was 100 degrees. I'm sitting up here in this hot truck, busting my ass to get paid so that people can pay me for a service for a product that I'm giving them. And you're going to walk up to me and tell me you should give me free food because I am not working and I don't have any money. Get lost, boy. You better work. You better earn that food. And that was just common sense. And of course, you had these DC sophisticates saying, oh, this woman is chewing out this boy. No, because they come from the same background. This woman's not a millionaire. This woman is not raking in the billions running a food truck, but she's working. And this guy is not. And this guy is trying to tell this woman who is working, who is trying to provide for her family or at least herself, that you need to give me free food because I'm too lazy to work. Get out of here with that. Get out of here with your begging. I see these people in D.C. I swear, I walk past this one guy. He's been sitting in the same spot for two years, okay? In the same spot, everyone who walks by him, he asks, hate to ask you, but do you, can you spare a dollar? 
dude, you've been sitting on that stump for two years. Get off your ass. Go to a McDonald's. I promise you they will hire you. I promise you. And make a living for yourself. You know, I, I, I get you, you have the the crazy bums, right? You've got the crazy ones who probably can't get a job because, they, you know, they, they're either um, unable to actually function in a, in a work environment. But then you have the people who are perfectly capable individuals who have discovered that they'll make more money sitting there and begging and preying on, uh, on naive D.C. residents to make a living. And, you know, I'm happy to, 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 to help someone get off their feet. But when you've been sitting there for years simply asking people to give you free money, I'm going to start to lose my sympathy. I got to be honest with you. Want to thank also the people who have been watching who have sent money. Scion Sai, thank you for your donation. Michael Farrington, thank you for your donation. Michael Farrington, thank you for your second donation. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate what you guys put into the show. And the reason why we do this Friday edition, and I'll tell you this, is because, you know, for a long time, we've been um, dependent on, and a lot of people in this space are dependent on, um, platforms, content providers like Facebook and YouTube and others who allow us to get our content out there. Problem is, is that we are completely reliant on them to get our content to you guys, right? At the end of the day, they control what you guys see. We don't control it. So, you know, it, it, it's a, a double-ended sword, right? Because they allow us to reach a huge amount of people, but at the end of the day, they're also in control of our content because they are the ones who hold the levers. And you've got people in Congress, you've got people who are working on that, and you've got people who are fighting that, but that's the reality at the end of the day. So we do these, these, these Friday podcast episodes because we really do wanna make sure that you guys subscribe to the podcast version of the show because we control that, they do not. And so you'll never have to worry about Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or Instagram or whoever it is actually trying to actively censor content creators. So, you know, it's, it's not as convenient. It's not the same because it's so easy to go on these social media platforms and just access all the content that you like. But at the end of the day, uh, we can't completely depend on them because you never know what they're going to do to hit you upside the head next day, next week, next month, or next year. So we urge you, if you haven't already, go to Spotify, go to Google+, go to iTunes, and go and subscribe to the White House Brief podcast. Or if you want the video version of the product, go to blazetv.com. You can subscribe there. But it really means a lot, and I wouldn't keep on saying this if it actually wasn't important. So we urge you to do that. And if you're on YouTube, still, uh, make sure if you haven't hit the bell to get notifications every time we post a new video and don't forget to subscribe to the white house brief podcast as well because i promise you you'll get the friday episode features which includes a bonus segment that's only available on the podcast and blazetv.com it goes live at 4 30 eastern so we're going to go to that exclusive content now which means if you're on youtube you're on facebook you're not going to be able to access this content but the good news is it's free and you can get it on wherever you get your podcast but make sure to check it out because you're not going to be able to get it on any of the social media platforms you have to subscribe thanks guys we'll see you soon all right, so we talked about the impeachment hearings, the sham of impeachment hearings a little earlier in the show, but I had really one big problem with these hearings and with the witnesses. Where was the diversity? And we've got Congressman Al Green sharing the same exact grievances that I have about the lack of diversity. To see the Judiciary Committee hearing experts 
on the topic of impeachment. One of the seminal issues of this Congress. Hearing experts, Mr. Speaker, and not one person of color among the experts. What subliminal message are we sending to the world when we have experts but not one person of color? Are we saying that there are no people of color who are experts on this topic of impeachment? What is the message that we're sending? Oh, no, no, no. We can't have no person of color. What? subliminal message are we sending to the people of the United States of America car car is it me or does that guy look like uh, Admiral Akbar from Star Wars right a little bit little bit so even when they are trying to impeach the president Democrats can't help but bring the uh, intersectionality wars into the picture. And they are complaining because there weren't enough black. Well, I think there weren't any black people among any of the witnesses, certainly among the lawyers. And uh, Ann Coulter actually tweeted about this uh, as a joke, as a joke, saying, where was the diversity? And then you've got Al Green, Representative Al Green. No, there weren't no uh, witnesses of color on this impeachment panel. You know, that's why the Democrat Party is imploding, because you have clown shows like this. And then, you know, Joe Biden hears Al Green say that Joe Biden decides, well, I need to go up in front of a uh, in front of an audience and say things like it's white men that are the problem. The Democrat Party has devolved into such a joke that the fact that this guy's biggest problem with this impeachment hearing was not that there's no impeachable offenses, was not that they don't have anything on the president, was not that it's completely um, just abandoning their duties to the American people. No, it was that there were no people of color on this panel and on the witness uh, lineup which was literally a conga line of witnesses that they brought in, all of whom witnessed the exact same thing that you and I have witnessed, which is the transcript of the call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. No quid pro quo. But he doesn't care that there were no quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. He just cares that there was no black people on the planet, uh, on the panel. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. Big problem. We really need to fix that. Um, otherwise, this, these impeachment hearings are completely illegitimate. Um, so we've been talking a bit about sanctuaries, obviously. And so somehow that got. Oh, you want you want to know how you want to know how I actually got into the discussion? Because last night I sent a tweet out about the Statue of Liberty. Got some surprising responses. And I was thinking, how did I get on the topic of the Statue of Liberty? And you want to know what it was? It was the diversity episode that we did. Cookie Kamala, she dropped out of the race. Ho, 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 no, I'm not in the race anymore. We ran out of money. We ran out of all the money. We walked ourselves dry. Oh, ho, ho, ho. So Kamala, cookie, cookies out of the race. Um, and she, of course, blamed it on the lack of diversity. We don't have enough diverse candidates in this race. Kind of like Al Green. We don't have it. We don't have diversity anymore on the Democratic lineup in the debates, at least. And so she was very sad about that. And she, of course, didn't blame it on the fact that she completely mismanaged her campaign. She didn't blame it on the fact that she was an awful candidate. She didn't blame it on the fact that she wasn't likable. No, she blamed it on the fact that she was a woman of color and that she wasn't a billionaire taking, of course, a, a subtle swipe, quote unquote, 
on her opponent, Bloomberg, who was beating her in the polls because Tulsi Gabbard, as we had explained in that episode, completely just took a stab at Kamala during, I think it was the second debate. And then after that, Kamala died a death a couple months later, four months later. So Kamala is out of the race and she's blaming it on the fact that America hates black people. America's not ready for a black female president. Really, Kamala? So we explained that diversity is not America's strength. In fact, diversity weakens America. And if your entire platform is based on the lie that diversity is a strength, you're not going to do so well. And of course, we brought up Schoolhouse Rock, which I'm sure you guys, the majority of you guys have seen this episode of the Great American Melting Pot. The Great American Melting Pot. You simply melt right in. You simply fit right in. Total lie. Total lie. The idea of the melting pot was invented in 1908 by a play, a fictional play, by an author named Israel Ziegler. And this author literally was escaping. The story was about a family and it sort of replicated the story of the author, but it was also a fictional account. Escaped uh, um, anti-Semitism in the old world came to the new world and just simply melted right in. And it's a complete lie. It's a complete lie. America was not founded on diversity. And in fact, what brings America together is our similarities. It's not our differences. What brings us together are the things that we have in common, the culture that we, we share, the lore that we share, the traditions that we share, the values that we share. All of that is what brings America together, not the fact that you have a different color of skin and you have a different religion and you believe in completely different ideas than I believe in. That's the stuff that hurts America. We showed studies that show that the, 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 the more diverse communities and in fact, the most diverse communities actually featured uh, fewer people involved in things like community service, fewer people engaging in civic involvement and giving to charities. They simply weren't interested because they didn't feel that connection to their community because they didn't feel like they had anything in common with the people among whom they were living and that the least diverse areas actually had more of a sense of unity. And, and I said about the study, it's not surprising at all. It's fascinating that, you know, the facts show what is common sense to the most to, to, to all of us, to most of us. So you have the statute. Statue of Liberty, and you've got the Schoolhouse Rock video, who, it's the great American melting pot. By the way, we have someone uh, who shall remain nameless here in Blaze TV in DC, who is completely unfamiliar with Schoolhouse Rock. Never heard of it. She is, of course, from Canada, so what can you expect? But she is not familiar with any of the Schoolhouse Rock videos. And we were like, uh, name, nameless individual, have you heard of the song, Oh, but I'm only a bill, and I was born on Capitol Hill, and someday I'll become a law? She said no. She's never heard of it. And in fact, and I, this is, doesn't surprise me, but in Canada, you know, they have to teach their students. They're not teaching them about the fact that bills become laws. No, and why would they? It's not their country. But instead, they teach us about how those awful Americans defeated those brave redcoats. And the fact that the Redcoats, the Redcoats were the heroes of the story. The Redcoats who shot the Americans in the Boston Massacre, well, they were just doing their job. They were the heroes of the story. And these rebellious Americans had to defy the Redcoats. Yeah, we did. We did. 
guilty as charged, and in doing so, we created the greatest nation in the history of the planet. So, sorry, Canada, but I, I, think, I, I think it's safe to say we're doing just a wee bit better than you. What is that all about? Who, Canada? Hmm? Canada. We call them America's hat. America's hoot. Because, uh, you know, they sit on top of us. What do they bring us? You know, they bring us some good maple syrup. And they're a lot friendlier than we are. But it comes to show you that sometimes you just got to get the job done. Sometimes you got to declare that all men are, are created equal. Sometimes you got to declare that we're endowed with certain inalienable rights. And sometimes you got to declare that the monarchy sucks because individual rights prevail and individual rights are actually better. And we created this amazing country. And then Canada comes along and has the nerve to not show their kids schoolhouse rock. But Schoolhouse Rock is communist propaganda. Schoolhouse Rock, they shoved it down our throats and said, you must learn that America is a great American melting pot. When in fact, we aren't. When in fact, America up until 1965 was 90% European culturally and ethnically. Melting pot. Melting pot, my ass. So, turns out, and in the video, the Schoolhouse Rock video, you have a lovely lady, liberty, and she's sitting there, and she's licking her fingers like an animal, and sifting through her book of recipes, and in her book of recipes, you see, they show you, at the bottom of her book of recipes that she's now put her spit on, because she's, uh, she's a depraved animal, she's put her spit in her book of recipes by licking her fingers, and the last item is the great American melting pot stew, right? And so she has all of these recipes from Europe, but the one, the most important recipe is the great American melting pot. And you simply melt right in and you go in and you melt into the country and all this multiculturalism that has completely destroyed our country, all of these different uh, values that we've welcomed in, oh, they just think differently. So what if they think that, you know, women shouldn't have rights? So what if they think that, uh, that you know, you can kill people uh, so what if they think that Sharia law should append the Constitution? So what about all of that? The fact is we just want them to melt right in. So, you know, you've got the, in this video the Statue of Liberty licking her fingers and going through her book of recipes. And so last night I decided to ask people, well, Statue of Liberty, sifting through her book of recipes, I tweeted, if you could give the Statue of Liberty back to the French or suffer the rest of your life listening to liberals shriek about the third world's tired and poor and huddled masses, which would you choose? I just, you know, uh, lick my finger, just kind of like the Statue of Liberty does, just to, just to kind of test the winds, right? Just to kind of see, what, what, what do people think about this? Turns out the Statue of Liberty is not as popular as you might think. Turns out some Americans are not exactly as down with the symbol of liberty as you would imagine. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? Because the Statue of Liberty is now old and ugly and green and she's not that pretty and she's not that attractive in terms of a tourist attract uh, attraction um what i what, what, what would we give her what would we give the statue of liberty i'm gonna say she's a solid six maybe a 5.5 all right i mean she's not exactly melania trump so we've got the statue of liberty she's not popular and she was a gift from the French. Uh, Frédéric Augusta Bartholdi was the architect, shipped her over in pieces in 1886. All right, came over in pieces, built her. She used to be copper. 
So she wasn't always that hideous uh, light green color. Like, who, who is, who's a fan of light green? Nobody. So that's why, you know, nobody goes to visit her. If you're a New Yorker like uh, I was for uh, probably around eight years, lived in New York for a long time, uh, I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. Never been because she's not worth visiting. And to add insult to injury, they added this awful poem to her base. It was added later. Make no mistake about it. Uh, They added this awful poem to her base that said, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And since that poem by Emma Lazarus was added to the base of the Statue of Liberty, all liberals can do is talk about how this should be the foundation of our immigration policy. And so what? Screw the Constitution and screw the Supreme Court and screw what they say about what the executive branch and what the president himself can do to decide who comes into the country. The Statue of Liberty, Lady Liberty, she says that you must let in every single dirty, tired, poor immigrant that you can muster up. And they have to come to the country. Doesn't matter if they're going to be a public charge. Doesn't matter if they're going to be a drain on the country. Doesn't matter if they're going to hurt our country more. You've got to let them in because that's what America is all about. And it's on her base. Therefore, screw the Immigration Naturalization Act, screw the Constitution, screw the Supreme Court, and screw all the laws that say the president can decide, oh, it's time to shut down our border while we figure it out. You know, I go, you go to these conferences and they say, we hate illegal immigration, but we love illegal immigration. And it's like, no, it's time to say America is closed. Now, does that mean that I am against legal immigration? Uh, Right now I am. Right now, I, 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 I want no immigration. Right now, I want the border shut down. Why? Not because I hate immigrants, but because we have a system that is absolutely broken. And it is insane to say that because the Statue of Liberty says so, we actually have to completely just let immigrants destroy our country. And it's not because they're bad people. A lot of them are. It's because we have no assimilation process in the, in, in the works. And we can't actually get these people to believe in our values and our culture. We need to fix that. And while we fix that, we need to shut it all down because it is so broken right now. And it is hurting Americans. It is hurting American communities. And because of this allegiance to endless legal immigration, we can't actually fix the system. I love the analogy. I don't even remember where I initially saw it, but it's like if the tub is overflowing, you don't just continue to let the water run while you fiddle around with the pipes maybe underneath your house and you know just keep, keep the water on. Now, turn the water off. Figure out what's wrong. Figure out what the problem is. Shut it off. And then once you've figured out the problem and once you've fixed the problem, once you've maybe called the plumber and had him done an inspection and figured out what is exactly going wrong with the overflowing tub, and ensuring that it won't overflow more with dirty water, then you turn the tub back on and you use it as needed. But you don't just keep it on flowing endlessly because you wanna say, well, our tub is working. It's not working, it's broken. Turn it off so you can fix it, okay? That's how I view immigration. Not against legal immigration. I just want the right kind of people coming here because, you know, they love to show those crime statistics that show that Americans commit more crimes than illegal immigrants, that Americans certainly commit more crimes than immigrants. Uh, those numbers are contested. You know, they, they, we, we don't have access to a lot of those numbers. First, a lot of them exist behind paywalls. And then they don't collect the numbers. So we don't actually know that. But even if that were the case, to take them at their presumption there, 
We don't get to choose who Americans who are born here are. We do get to choose who the people who we bring here are. So why wouldn't we choose the best and the brightest people? Why wouldn't we choose the best that other countries have to offer instead of this ridiculous chain migration nonsense, instead of this ridiculous visa diversity, diversity lottery nonsense? Why don't we choose the good people? If we get to choose them, why would we bring in scoundrels and crooks and thieves and murderers and rapists and drug dealers? Why would we elect to bring them in? We shouldn't. It's insane. And yet we're told if we don't want to bring those people in, we don't have a heart. Meanwhile, there's no heart. There's no love for the people who are, who are being killed by these people. You want to talk to the angel moms. You know, I mean, you want to talk to people who there's actually no love for. Talk to the angel moms. Talk to the people who have actually been affected by illegal immigrants. Talk to the people who have had their lives permanently altered by those who have been let into the country and allowed to stay here simply because of uh, this supposed compassion that the left has for these people. You've got these sanctuary cities and Ken Cuccinelli actually uh, made, is starting to tackle it and um, and he said, quote, this is a quote, I'm quoting Cuccinelli. He said, a few years back, I was Virginia's attorney general. And I would say then and today, the biggest violent crime threat in the Commonwealth of Virginia and attorneys general all around the country could have said the same thing was MS-13. No, you think? You think? You think MS-13 is a problem? And yet these sanctuary cities let them in, let them commit crime. They might be arrested for the crime, and then the prisons refuse to cooperate with ICE. The prisons refuse to, to, to cooperate with, uh, with, with the federal officials who say, okay, well, um, can you keep them for an additional 48 hours so that we have time to actually come and take them and deport them? And the local and state prisons say nope, and they release them into the streets. And so Ken Cuccinelli, who is the acting deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, said, uh, this is a huge problem, and attorneys general of a lot of states are going to tell you that. And yet we continue to pretend that people who want to crack down on that, who want to crack down on American citizens being hurt by illegal immigrants and immigrants are the evil ones. Really? The whole system is backwards. And the whole system is backwards because of a poem on the Statue of Liberty's base that says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. So I tweeted out asking, you know, if you could spare, your, if we could actually get our immigration system together and, you know, lose the Statue of Liberty, which one would you choose? And the answers I got to say, um, Lady Liberty wasn't getting much love. Lady Liberty was, uh, was not popular. It, it, it looks like Lady Liberty is causing a few more problems than she's solving simply by sitting there on the shores of New York holding that torch up for what, a couple hundred years responders to my tweet said, give it back. Send that lady packing. Send her back to France. Return. Then get one made in America. Because remember, she was not made here. She was made by the French. And she was packed up in little pieces. And she was sent. And then we built her up. So another person said, ship that lady back ASAP. One tweeter said, blow it up. LOL. I don't know. I think blowing her up is going a little bit too far. France can have her. France needs a lesson in liberty. You've got Emmanuel Macron. I believe that's the correct pronunciation of his surname. Emmanuel Macron doesn't know a thing about liberty. His people are up in arms about it, putting on yellow vests, you know, because they're taxing them through the nose over environmental regulations. 
Send her back to Emmanuel and put her in the Louvre. You know, they could use a lesson in liberty. They don't appear to have much of it, and it's dwindling as they let more and more refugees take over cities like Paris, the south of France. All of it's a disaster. So send Lady Liberty there. I think they have, you know, a, do they have a miniature there? I don't know. But you can have the full thing. You can have the big one. We're happy to send her back if liberals are going to insist that we completely destroy the country and our immigration system simply because Lady Liberty and her poem by Emma Lazarus say so. All right, folks, that is the end of today's show. Do me a favor, I say it over and over again, but do me a favor and take 30 seconds to rate and review this episode because what it does is it lets us rank higher in the charts and that's really important. It helps people find our content. And remember, Christmas is two and a half weeks away. Uh, have you finished your shopping? I hate the people who are like, I finished my Christmas shopping. Uh, it is December 6th. All right, Christmas shopping starts about uh, December 19th for me. All right, but if you're one of those responsible people who is looking up to wrap everything up, all right, do me a favor and head over to shop.blazemedia.com slash Miller. We've got a lot of great merch. And if you need Christmas gifts, even if it's for the people you don't like and you're like, you know what, you can have a White House brief mug. We're fine with that. Spread the word. There's hats, there's shirts, there's mugs, wonderful gifts, stocking stuffers, all the stuff that you need to get for the people you love. And if you're not a fan of the show and you know you just want to give people a White House Brief mug because you're like, you know what, I hate you, and here's White House Brief, do it anyway. That's the holiday spirit. That's called Christmas love. And that's what you should do this holiday season. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next time. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it, and if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.